0: Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hello everybody,
1: it's Marguerite Crispello with Real Estate Real World, and welcome to another fabulous episode where we get to talk to all kinds of great people who are doing stuff out there in the world. Andrew Gavin today is our guest, and he's a little bit shy, saying he's just a regular guy. But the regular people are the, my favorite ones to be guests on our show. So he wrote a bio, but I'm going to laugh because at the very end he said, P.S., I hate this whole idea of a bio. So <laughs> here is his quick bio. Andrew Gavin is the co-founder of ListerBlog.com, a done-for-you content marketing platform for professionals in relationship businesses. He's also a licensed real estate agent in San Diego, one of my favorite places on the planet. Andrew spent 15 years working in the cycling industry with pro and elite level athletes and top retailers from across the country. His bike shop, HighTechBikes.com, was ranked as a top 100 of bicycle retailers in the U.S. Andrew, with the help of his beautiful wife Maribel, has taken his passion for cycling kids and communities to create the Bikes for Kids charity. He's leveraging the relationships built throughout his charity to grow his real estate business and make a difference in his community. Welcome to the show, Andrew.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: You bet. So Andrew and I met, well, we haven't actually ever met in person yet, but we will soon. We met on Facebook in a group called Real Estate Owls, I think is where we first met, right?
2: Uh, Probably uh, Lab Coats, I would think.
1: Oh, Uh, yeah, maybe Lab Coats.
2: Well, before that, the Owls group's barely six months old, so... Uh, I know. I know. We've been chatting much longer than that.
1: Yeah, and that one's gone kind of crazy. And then now you're uh, you're kicking in a little bit of stuff in our real estate success strategies group. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, you know two things. I want to say thank you for having me. And uh, and second, I want to say thank you for letting me back on your your show in general. Uh, <laughs> that the uh, webinar that uh, you Scott and I did was um, was absolutely horrible. And, uh, and, and I love it at the same time because you know what, it's one of those things that you just got to get it out there and, and make it happen. And we've been able to use that mistake as a, uh, as a real good learning block. So, uh, since Scott's not here, we'll blame him for the whole, it's all
1: Scott's fault. Of course, you know, I just got done doing a podcast with Katie Lance and she was saying the same thing. Sometimes you just got, you're going to have epic fails all day long, but sometimes you just got to throw things out and, and try it and see what sticks and, I think we learn our best lessons uh, from the failures, not the successes, don't you?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the good thing is I think five or six of your members um, took us up on our offer and are beta testing our product, and and that's been super helpful. Um, we have a brand-new version coming out probably the first of next month, and it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So, you know, everything that we – Everything that we offered is almost going to be gone anyway, so we've uh, scrapped that.
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, so tell me a little bit about you and your background and and how you got into the stuff you're doing now.
2: Okay, so um, I've been, man, I've been spent 15, 16 years in the sports industry, specifically cycling. Um, I've really always kind of been in a, a relationship or a sales type of job um... I had a I, I worked in a very high-end bike shop high-tech bikes actually when i was in my twenties uh, i ended up buying that uh... just a few years ago and as i said we we were able to get it ranked into the top one hundred um, within a year of ownership uh... and that's out of about fifty five hundred uh... retailers um, probably the only real award that uh, they give out um, that's not basically by um, product sales. So it's kind of a cool um, third-party uh, ranking, which is nice. But um, even in that, I worked in a shop. I, my, my daughter and my ex-wife moved to Arizona. And um, about six weeks after I, they, they moved there, I, I took a trip out. And I spent about 400 bucks in the course of, uh, I think, three days. And my daughter was four at the time. So uh, I freaked out, man. I was like, how am I going to do this <laughs> for, for, you know, 14 more years? So um, I was working in a shop. I had a great job there. And um, what I knew was uh, most of the people that came to visit us were independent sales reps. And so when I went back, I spoke to all my friends that I've had good relationships with. And, and half a dozen of them had, um, um, in the territory that they service, Arizona was part of it, so uh, I offered to um, see their dealers out there just so I could get a 1099 and uh, ride off my 400 bucks a month, you know, (laughs) I I didn't have to sell anything, I didn't have to do anything, my whole goal was to see my kid and um, talk about bikes and stuff, which was my huge passion at that time, Um, so I did that, you know, and I, I took it seriously as well the first six months I didn't sell a single thing Um, (laughs) I didn't know anybody I didn't it it was really interesting and and great great tie-in to I guess if you're you know probably uh we'll we'll stick to real estate because that's how we know each other but and you know as a realtor I I was basically like you know um transplanting myself into a new community which a lot of people end up doing in this industry Um, and so what i had done at that point i I knew i was an expert in my field um uh working at a very high-end shop since day one always had uh really good connections here in san diego san diego and a lot of the, the southern states have very um active cycling communities because of the better weather um, and we have a ton of pro athletes that come here regularly to train. When you're selling bikes in the ten to fifteen thousand dollar range, the pros come to those shops. yeah, so so it was cool. But so, you know, I had to go visit my daughter. I started this business out there, and people were expecting me to do something. I couldn't I had no relationships. So these people weren't buying anything from me. They had nothing, they had really no interest. So I realized that immediately, and i and I decided, you know what? What I need to do is just go and hang out and be helpful. And so I, for six months, I visited shops every time I was there, every six weeks. And the only thing I would do is just go in, try and get five, ten minutes, talk to them, see if I could help in any way. And the one thing that I did every time I went out is back in, back in, oh, man, when was that? Like, it's about 10, 12 years ago now. Um, one of the fads was all the crazy, um, crazy color and design Puma shoes. I don't know if you remember yeah. So, so, you know, and I was a sports guy at the same time. So every time I would go out, I would go to the store and try and find the craziest pair of Pumas that I could. And I would just, (laughs) and and I just rest nice regular, you know, t-shirt polo jeans and then some crazy orange or blue or, you know, wild shoes. And, you know, every time I get a few comments here and there, no big deal. And, um, but year two, uh, in, in, in retail like that, you sell preseason stuff, and you try and get all these orders booked uh, ahead of time. And the more, the more stuff you can pre-sell and get on the shelf early in the year, it generally means you're going to sell more of that or your product in that store at that time. Because they get used to selling it. They've got to get rid of it, things like that. So year two, I started setting up all these preseason uh, presentations, and one after the other. Who are you? Oh, I'm Andrew. Oh, you're the guy with the funny shoes, you know. And it so it it caught just enough to get me, re, you know, remembered. And I never really had to sell much. Uh, year two, then year three. By year three, I had pretty much broken every sales record for the brands I was representing uh, out there. And those companies uh, started offering me more business in San Diego, which was difficult. So because I I was still working in the shop here. So I quickly decided, you know what, I can do this. I didn't want to say no because we were we were kind of heading into that uh, downward economy. So I'm like, I'm not going to say no to any money. Um, so I quickly built a business with a partner, and everything that I everything that I acquired um, brand wise, he sold in San Diego, and then I sold in Arizona, and it was it's great. I built a business on literally on a couple of trips to see my kid a year, and. Taking a whole bunch of coffee breaks and answering my phone. I mean, it was it was incredible. My boss at one point he knew, he knew what I was doing. He was supportive, and I just told him one day I said, "Look, I don't even want any more money. I just need you to understand that I might have to answer a phone call here and there, and I'll never and I'll never do anything that interrupts someone that we're working with in this business." You know, and he was like, "All right, fine." Saved him money, and you know, there's always dead times in a retail store, so it worked out good for me. Um, that job rolled into, uh, probably us managing five different states. We were, we were controlling a portfolio of about $150 million, uh, me and a partner. And we had, we had built it up with three other sales guys. And then we were, uh, approached by a company called 510, which is a, their, their core business is climbing. And they were, they had built a shoe. They, they have this proprietary rubber that's super sticky. And it helps with you know gripping to rocks, things like that. And they had a, um, they had just launched some cycling products, some shoes. And so we were selling those, and they they kept asking us, you know, can you guys run our cycling team? And and so we finally talked to them, and and it didn't make sense. They didn't even have a cycling team. They had a couple of sponsored athletes, but in their world, that's how that's what they called it. And maybe a year later, they came back to us again with the same request. And at that point, we sales were way down. So uh, I, I talked to my partner, Scott, and I'm like, you know what? I got an idea. And I literally fabricated a, a job for us uh, between him and I splitting this job role 50-50, him in the shop, him in the office, or me in the office With on the opposite days. The other would be out selling our own products. We ended up we ended up running their whole sales team and their whole sales force for all of North America uh, for about a year, and uh, finally they 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 ended up. Um, I wasn't happy with our performance, so they so I started asking a bunch of questions that ultimately got me fired because uh, they didn't really have any they didn't really have any interest in growing or pushing their sales team, and I you know I would for over a year I kind of bit my tongue in my one of my one of my uh, my buddies uh, my my buddy Scott's favorite sayings was just shut up and cash your check and I, you <laughs> know and I just I just couldn't so I ended up getting fired and you know no big deal we moved on it was a it was a good chunk of change that was uh, missed but um, shortly after that um, I created I took that same role and went to another company and pitched a version of that to them and I ended up. Uh, taking a job running their Salesforce for the next five years for all of the U.S. and I—I I literally for five years I had a phone, a plane ticket, and a company credit card, and I traveled the country. Wow! And, and it was—and all I had to do was talk about bikes and things like that. And this is a this is a great um, example of positioning because I, I was no different than than I am now, and the sales guys that I work with they were just as good as me or better. But because I was able to come in and be presented as the sales manager and kind of this m- more of an expert to the retailers in that, in that um, city, I was treated so much different. People listened to me differently. They, they respected what I said. They followed my, my strategies. And, um, you know, so having that positioning of, of authority is really powerful in just about any scenario, especially in real estate. Um, so, you know, that, that finally ended, I, I met my beautiful wife, Maribel, which you mentioned, um, very lucky. And, uh, shortly after that, she decided, um, uh, she was tired of the traveling. You know, I was gone. Yeah. My schedule was a week in San Diego, a week in the Salt Lake office. Um, and then every other week I would travel with one of my reps in some part of the country. So every, every Sunday I was getting on a plane. It didn't matter.
1: How did you get under the real estate side then?
2: So when my when my uh, when when we got a divorce, um, one of my clients came in, and I knew he was a mortgage guy, and uh, I talked to him all the time. I had a bunch of people that were really tight with me, and I ran into him one day riding my bike out by his house, and I, I just said, I said, hey, you know, how do I get involved in that? Like, you make good money. I mean, I can't be at this bike shop running this thing forever. You know, it's, I mean, I was making 50 grand a year, and for... That was a top level. That was a top salary in that industry. I mean, it's basic retail um, and privately owned as well. So he actually, I asked him about it. He said, "You know what? I'll, I'll I'll get you some information." The next day, he showed up with a California real estate book, all the training stuff I needed, got me hooked up, paid for me to go through a school uh, like online course, and um, I think in like six weeks I was licensed. And I never once worked with him. Never once, um, and I was with. I, I worked as a buyer's agent for maybe a year in 06, 07. and then I jumped on a plane and I had I had no interest in looking back at real estate. Like let's make 150 grand flying around the country. Like there's you know, and any day in any day in the sports industry, the worst day is better than the best day in real estate. Even if yeah. even if you're cashing hundred grand checks, it's yeah. just, the experience is so different. Um, so yeah, so my wife said, you know what, we got to look at maybe settling down a little bit. And, and I was doing so well with Reynolds, the, the company I was working for, they were really pressuring me to, um, move to Salt Lake because they wanted, they wanted me in the office three weeks instead of one week. And, you know, the two weeks I was in San Diego, they wanted me there. But my wife's a, uh, she's a career, uh, high school principal. Um, uh, and you know, so they were going to compensate me really well. But for her, she would have lost half of her pension and salary uh, moving to Salt Lake. So we were like, no. And, you know, Salt Lake from San Diego's really, that's you know, yeah. it's, it's not a good move. So I retired from that. And I ended up buying this bike shop that I'd grown up working in. And uh, we ran that, got it into the top 100. And then um, a couple years into it, I realized my partner was a dirtbag and uh oh, no. <laughs> and the only way to get to get away from that was sell the bike shop. So I did and um I got back immediately got back into real estate, you know. Wow. I was actually I was on a I was on a a kind of a retail mindset and I, I was thinking to myself, okay, what I what I'd learned about myself is I don't do good sitting in a cubicle in a little box anywhere. I'm really good out and about figuring things out as I go.
0: Building so I,
1: relationships.
2: Absolutely. You know, and, and so I knew I wanted to do something sort of an outside sales, but I had this retail mind and I was thinking, you know what, we've got about 10 years before we retire. Um, and that's early by the way, but, <laughs> but, um, so I was like, what, what, what's, what industry is kind of getting popular and that I could get in on the ground level and, and grow a business. And, I got excited about solar because we're now it's becoming a pretty common topic um, I had a couple of cycling clients that had solar companies so I started talking with them and figuring out what I needed to do and maybe I would just be a sales guy whatever and I was cleaning out my garage one day and I found my realtor pin and I thought to myself well, why do I want to sell solar panels when I can sell the house I'll yeah just, and I'll just refer out the paneling if I <laughs> if it comes up and You know, sure enough, that got me right back into real estate.
1: That's awesome. Well, okay, so I want to ask you I know that you have now figured out how to combine your passions. You, I know, love to do real estate, but you also have this long history of uh, the biking industry. Yes. And so you guys decided to create a charity, right? Correct. And tell us about that.
2: Okay, so we. My wife and I created uh, – last year created what we call Bikes for Kids charity, and it was a it was a very simple little thing that we wanted to do, and, and the, the, the best thing is why it happened. So, you know, coming back into real estate, there's a big push to, you know, attach yourself to a charity or a fundraiser or, you know, there's Homes for Heroes, and there's a whole bunch of programs that real estate agents can buy into that, you know – that those companies or systems give back to the the, the client and and I, I you know those are all great because there's good things happening with them I don't particularly like the idea about the marketing and, and so I sort of stayed away from them and I thought to myself you know what as a positioning piece I'd rather be in control of this thing than be a helper in it if I ha- if I'm gonna do it I'd rather be kind of in charge. And um so I started kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and bikes wasn't even into it at that point. Um but my wife and I were riding up the coast actually towards Carlsbad uh one day and uh we we're passing Torrey Pine State Beach and and Beautiful she, area. Oh yeah. And she looks over and she sees this older couple out there and the the husband's walking with a little trash picker uh grabber and his wife's just walking with him and they're holding hands and she's like, "You know, that's going to be us when we retire, and I thought to myself immediately. I said, "Oh my God, I'm not retiring and going to pick up trash on the beach. That's not going to be my thing." <laughs> Within two weeks, I created this Bikes for Kids charity, like as as a way to avoid that. Like a way
1: to avoid picking up trash. Uh, that's funny. you know,
2: and there's there's no there, there. It's great, you know. Someone needs to do it, but I'm not passionate about picking up trash on the beach, you know. And I knew I couldn't get excited about it. You know, she'd have to drag me there. And my wife is a very giving person. I wouldn't do this without her, for sure. I would, I'd find somewhere else.
1: To, yes, to, we know you married <laughs> up.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, very, very fortunate. And, and that's just proof that I'm a really good salesperson.
1: Yeah, clearly, clearly. That's <laughs> yeah. for
2: sure. So, you know, funny
1: thing, uh, my husband, we sold our brokerage a couple of years ago, and Uh, he was technically going to retire, right? Yeah. And I I said, that's so awesome. I have this great big honeydew list and started giving him this honeydew list and part of it included, we live on five acres. And so he was having to do, you know, stuff around the house. And, uh, he was doing a lot of manual labor. Right. So he pretty quickly figured out that retirement was not for him. And he is now doing stand up comedy and, uh, working in wholesale mortgage business. Cause he said he did exactly you. He's like, I'm not going to go do that. So I better go figure out something else to do.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I was just like, no way, you know, and we've done, we've done a ton of stuff. We've, you know, we've worked at the Children's Hospital. We've worked the Special Olympics. We do a bunch of stuff with some local community charities, which kind of tied into what we're doing. Um, but so with with the bikes for kids, going back to that, what, what I decided was, okay, I have a connect, I have some really strong connections in cycling, uh, bike shops, whoever, uh, industry people. I knew that I knew that if I could raise a hundred dollars. With my connections, I could turn that into $150 of purchasing power. And so I said, okay, I, that, I have a way to – I can be a key influencer in this. And, and then at the same time, I could help myself with my charity, avoid picking up trash. I could get – I could help inspire kids to uh, – that might not have a bicycle, that might not have the ability to enjoy just being a kid these days. Uh, The independence of owning a bike, uh, being able to just, you know, jump on and head down to the park or over to the store. And at the same time, I knew from being a bicycle retailer that there isn't any real push to for kids to be in the sport of cycling. I mean, it's not in any schools. It's not really in it's in very few colleges and it's quite expensive. I mean, for me, you know. I'm talking about giving back to kids and yet my bike shop, you know, the average sale price for a bike was like nine grand.
1: Yeah, know? not yeah. even reasonable. Yeah. For, yeah, they, I mean, for average person that's not doing biking.
2: Right. And you know, and the the most the, the retailer that does the most bikes is like a Walmart or a Target, that that level. They're pushing bikes out like crazy. So uh, my wife is a principal at Sweetwater High School here in San Diego. Cool thing about that, she's actually a, a graduate of that school.
1: Oh wow!
2: She was, it was also her first teaching job, and now she's the principal. So it's it's such a cool thing. It's like I've I've never seen her more excited.
1: And wow. she grew up
2: in the community, um, here in San Diego. National City is the second oldest city, as well. It's the only city that has only one high school. So she's the center of 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 that little town already. And so then, on a
1: side note, my. Yeah. My father passed away when I was young, and he's actually buried in National City. That's okay. I've ever been there. To National City is a little cemetery there, but great town.
2: Oh, yeah, it's it's cool. So um, so we realized, you know, and, and great example of why we're doing this for kids. My wife, amazing person, but growing up in a low-income, you know, community like National City, um, they didn't have a house that had a pool, and parents could never take them to the beach. So my wife at, you know, a resident born in San Diego doesn't know how to swim, oh, yeah. you know, so she never learned, it's just not a thing we do, I'm fine with it, but, but I think of that, what if it was bikes, you know, she, she knew how to ride a bike, because it's happened, and, and now she rides a lot with me, we ride a tandem together mostly, and, but if she didn't know how, you know, it would be the same thing, like, she just doesn't know the experience of being out swimming. And, and so I, I thought about that you know like these kids really can't do anything and it's a it, for her it's a it's a lower income city and because of that low income the obesity rates even higher uh. so we decided okay if we're gonna raise money and buy bikes we're gonna deliver them to this community and and so then we to come up with the idea you know we we created this in a way basically to to really give it was to give me a kind of a charity effort for my re- real estate business, but it wouldn't have made any sense unless I was passionate about it.
1: Absolutely. Know?
2: So that's really how it kind of was created. And, you know, I haven't picked up trash on the beach yet.
1: <laughs> well, we might have to delegate that to you in, in a, a, some sort of punishment when you yeah. get in trouble. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's... Well, uh, so tell us how... So a couple things. Help me understand how the charity works. You guys raise money to buy bicycles and then you donate these bicycles to, to how do you decide who to donate them to?
2: Great question. So this year, being year one, you know, we, we I wanted to start I wanted to get the paperwork going for 503C, which is quite long and it's expensive. So I was like, all right, I don't want to I, I don't wanna get involved in that. And you know, I actually raised a bunch of money through um, groups like Actually, Lab Coats was one of the highest donating groups. I think they donated as a group, different members, probably close to $500 for, for the the effort last year. Um, but so I thought about it in a way that um, I had to – how do I say this? Um, man, I had to create it in a way that could be – like redone and and trusted from people across the country. So right. I knew that donating you writing a check for five to fifty dollars to me might be a little bit weird, especially if we don't know each other. right so I, I immediately said, okay, let's do let's use a GoFundMe, which is pretty safe. I know they take some money, but it's well worth it because without it I know I wouldn't have I know I wouldn't have got the amount of donations. and then so then I thought, okay, where do I put this money? And I don't want to pay taxes on it. So we, uh, we were already involved in the local Kiwanis club. So Maribel went to uh, her Kiwanis club and said, hey, this is what we're doing. And we'd like to put the money into a fund. But we would like to be able to take it back out and buy these bikes for kids. So that was how we set up the, the financial piece. Then, because Kiwanis is kind of geared towards helping kids – they said, okay. And they got involved a little bit. And, and because we were using their bank account and kind of that, I stepped back just a little bit. Um, but so they went in and they kind of started sourcing kids. And and what we decided was the criteria was was, basically we, we knew 80% of the population in National City is low income. So that's a given. So we knew they were kind of low income. Maybe they hadn't had a bike or not. But then we wanted to look at, okay, which kids are doing well in school? And which kids are, are kind of standouts for um, citizenship. So they had to have – basically it was low income, which we knew was at anyone, doing good in, in school, showing up on a regular basis, attendance, and being kind of a standout, like a, a positive role model. And so we went to each of the each of the 10 schools and asked the principal, and she took, put this out to the teachers, and – the teachers all came up with, you know, one kid in each grade, and so, so that was how it, it kind of came together. We were able to raise enough money to give one bike to each kid from one through sixth grade in ten different elementary schools in National City last year.
1: Wow, you know,
2: so that's impressive. Yeah, it was about you know sixty five. I think ultimately we bought sixty five bikes. We had a couple of sizing errors, and we didn't want, and then we had a we had a um, uh, an error in, in names on one of the kids, so uh, we didn't want to take the bike away from anyone. They'd already been told, and we're like, "That's not the right name." Like, exactly. You know. So we, we ended up buying about sixty five bikes for the for the total effort. Um, but you know, the good thing is, one kid in every in every grade from each school got a bike, and and it was super cool. Um, so this year the goal is one boy and one girl in each grade in all 10 schools. So doubling oh,
1: it. Oh, that's amazing. Now, when do you do this? Do you do, you do fundraisers throughout the year? Do you, when do you actually give away the bikes? So we, the bike giveaway is going
2: is to be towards the end of the school year, maybe right around Christmas time this is where we did it last year. Um, our, what, what's come, what's sort of developed is one big event, uh, which we've geared it around Uh, basically my wedding anniversary is next week. Happy Uh, anniversary. Thank you. My wife's birthday is in August and my birthday is in, in December. And Maribel and I have always had like a summer party, um, and kind of doing a birthday thing. So we always have this event every year, at least one. That's, you know, 10, 20, 50 people. We've had up to almost 200 people in our backyard, um, and we have this almost every year. So I said, you know what? Let's tie this charity to our party. And we, we decided, okay, instead of, we, we knew everyone always brings us wine or gets Maribel a gift or gets us something, gift cards. We said, you know what? Let's just ask for a $5 donation. Just show up, come to our party, and donate 5 bucks to our charity. And we ended up raising $4,200.
0: Wow, like, I,
2: I think we got five people that donated five dollars. you know, but that but that was our ask and, right. and so so we have this event. We spend a decent amount of money. My wife is over the top with everything, and, and <laughs> i'm and I'm a big fan. like if you have a party, it's got to be good because you know what? No one goes back the next year to a boring party. Uh, we just kidding. had our
1: twenty uh, fifth wedding anniversary party at our house and I- we had. Do you see the pictures? Oh, yeah. it's Pretty epic, and we had a couple hundred people there. It was a lot of fun, but I love the idea of you know same thing. We don't need people to bring us you know wine or gift cards or, like I I, I like the idea of tying it into being able to do some charitable work with it.
2: Yeah, it was it was great. It worked out. It made sense. We still got wine and gift cards. People don't care. You know they get the. Uh, the what's interesting is they get the idea. They understand what it is, but they still want to do what they want to do. Like, yeah. It's in their mind. You know. The, you know and if it's and and this is exactly like me and Maribel I'd be like no we're donating she's like get it, buying a bottle of wine I'm like no you know and, and then it's like it's like all right just do it you know I, it doesn't matter you know and and I'm sure that goes on in all the all the relationships but um you know we had so tying it into a birthday made it easy everyone has a birthday um, then we a side effect of using the Kiwanis Club uh, was for this year we now have 35 members that are part of our army of fundraisers. Wow. They're, because we, because Maribel being part of that, us donating $4,200 into their fund was one of the largest efforts for the year from That's a private funny. individual person versus all them doing anything. Um, you know, so so that was really cool. Uh, so now we have all this extra help. We, uh, her being connected to the the high school, she's already involved with the, the city. She's, you know, has lunch with the mayor on a regular basis. He was at the party. He realized that this was a big thing. You know, so he actually came out. One of the one of the best things ever was that we got to deliver these bikes in the classroom. All 60 of them.
1: Uh, how cool is that? It,
2: it was amazing. And then...
1: I've been crying my eyes out.
2: Oh, uh, it, it's... Uh, I'll send you letters. So, what out of... He, two things that are interesting to me is, one, out of the The letters that we got from these kids are amazing, and and I thought, you know, and these kids were so supportive. Thirty kids were so supportive of the one that won. It wasn't this like oh, there was no kids at that level, you know, six, seven, eight, ten years old. They they were so happy for their their friend that got this bike, which was so cool. The the thing that I found interesting that out of so we we gave out sixty bikes, basically. Sixty teachers were involved in this, out of ten different schools in this city. Only one of the teachers took this opportunity and created a learning experience, and oh. asked her class to write us thank you letters. I have I have thirty five of these handwritten, I think they're fourth graders' letters saying they and they they're. It's almost like she gave them a, a, a roadmap to do this because they, they all start with, it was so cool that you guys came in and gave us the bike and gave, I forget the girl's name, gave so-and-so this bike. she's She deserves it. She's a really good girl, and she tries really hard. And then the next section is, let me tell you why I deserve this next year. Every single Aww. one of them. And, it, and then they just go into selling themselves, and it was crazy. <laughs> and it was, you know, and going back to Maribel being the principal of the high school, we we would walk in with the mayor, the city council members, their their board of directors who goes to visit the school all the time, and Maribel would introduce herself. Hey, I'm Maribel, I'm the principal at, at Sweetwater High. And every single classroom, it was like, the first one was like, oh, my gosh, that. And then the next one, oh, my brother goes there, you know, and it just kept getting bigger and bigger, and like the mayor was upset, like it was funny. He's like, "But well, I'm the mayor," and she's they're like, "Oh, my brother," and all they wanted to talk about was <laughs> like, you know, the high school. I'm gonna go there, you know. It's like, and then it became this joke that we used. To, that we started teasing her by, you know, day three and day four, everyone was tired of this, you know, because we're doing we're doing basically uh, six bikes a day, uh, all three days, or and uh by the end they were just like oh they're, they're gonna get excited about it like just let her present it you know that's <laughs> it, fantastic it, it was funny but it, it was great i mean these kids were so excited one classroom funny story one we walk in and, and the you know the principal sets it up tells us where these classes are and we have these bikes that we're actually rolling them into class so we you know four of us roll into this it was the very first school probably the third bike we'd given away and we we he takes us out. He says we we wait outside. They're in like um, recess or something. They all go back in, and then we walk in, and we start to you know kind of give our speech. Hey, we're here. We did this thing. One of your one of your classmates, you know, won this bike for X Y Z reasons. Good, you know. Um, and and then we call out the name, and you just hear the whole class. It's like, oh man, and we're like, what? And they're like, she's in the class next door. You know? <laughs> it was so funny, you know. And all these kids, they were so bummed. And they're like, oh. So we had to go back next door, and we give it out, and you get the same exact experience. It, it was so funny though. And I mean, the the very, I, I'm telling you, the very first girl was a first grader, and I, I feel like she was about a foot and a half tall. Like, <laughs> like she was so little. little. Tiny thing. Oh yeah. And, you know, and, and it got it got better. And we got more used to it because I just you don't see kids this, you know, all the time. So they just seem so small. Uh, but it was it was amazing the, that that was probably in all the years of my cycling, all the pro people, pro athletes and events that I've been to. Seeing these kids get these bikes was it, it was priceless. It really was.
1: So are you only doing this in the San Diego area or is this are you able are you doing these kind of projects in other areas yet or is that the plan?
2: So ideally what I did when I when I put this thing together, I thought, you know what? I I desperately need something like this for my real estate business. And because it's it's a great marketing piece. The Bice for Kids charity, all the updates and things, to me I use them just as content. And and every real estate agent needs content to share with his uh, his list, his spheres, database, whatever you call it, um, and so I thought to myself, well, maybe I can inspire other agents to do something like this, and and for one reason, the the, the most basic reason is if we don't do something, why should we expect anyone else to? So yeah. we took that on ourselves, and I thought, you know what? As real estate agents, we have a unique opportunity of how many people we meet. A day, a week, a month, and and then when you think of how many people we should meet, which is probably ten times the actual amount, we connect with so many people that we could really take the, our job and our opportunity and make a difference, whether it's whether you're raising money for bikes or autism or uh, you know a disease that you know has you know plagued your family or a friend, you know, cancer, um, I do some other work when when this isn't going, I work on uh, a board for the ADA where they have a cycling event here, um, and I raise money for that, you know, but so we kind of I kind of flip back and forth every six months. But creating bikes for kids charity, I thought, okay, how do how do I make this easily repeatable for myself and then maybe for anyone else? So it's tied to a birthday, which every person and definitely every real estate agent has. Most people have, you know, Probably at one or two events a year that they might have people over at their house. And at least you know 100, 150 people, maybe 300 between you and your spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, and you can find you can easily find a community that has a need. So all these things kind of came together. And they all, this, this system is very easily, you know, can be transplanted to any city in town with a little bit of effort, you know so it's it's definitely an easy thing. It I I do take I do schedule kind of marketing time for the charity into my day. So I'm not doing, you know, follow up with my sphere or I'm not, you know, knocking on expired doors or pick pick whatever prospecting you do. I do replace that time with this effort because it's a serious effort. And and it gives me but it gives me content to get back in front of everyone.
1: Well, you know, there's that great saying, I think it was Zig Ziglar, right? He said, for those who are given much, much is expected. And I think that in the real estate industry, we are amazingly blessed to be able to do what we do and to be able to make the amount of money that we have the ability to make. So I really, truly feel that there's a huge obligation on behalf of the real estate community to give back in a way that can impact lives. And, you know, I grew up with a single mom, very poor little girl. And I remember when a group of people, it was a big brothers, big sisters at mm-hmm. that time, um, brought us Christmas presents and that Christmas present included a bike. And, you know, I know how it, it, it it's, makes me tear up a little bit. Um, I know how it affected and impacted me at, you know, I was about eight years old and I just think that it, it, it's, it's, It's so powerful and so impactful that why would you not do it?
2: Yeah, it it, it is, and and that you know it just goes back to if if I don't if I don't do anything like this, whether it's for bikes or anything else, why should I expect anyone else to do anything? You know, and and so I we took it on ourselves. I mean, and and I mean, full disclosure, my my wife is eighty percent of my charitable heart. You know, like it, yeah. it's all. It, it, she's an amazing person. You know, one of the cool things that's happened because of this, though, she's been. Uh, you know, she was awarded a humanitarian award. She was asked to join the the uh, board of directors for the chamber of converse for a city. She's actually today this morning. She told me she asked me if I'm going to help her because they're sort of um, endowing her with president of the Kiwanis Club that we are connected to for next year. And she's like, I can't do it on my own. I've, I've got too many commitments. Um, but all these things. And she's won a, she was awarded a humanitarian award back in 2012. So she was amazing before I met her, and she always will be. Uh, but this particular t- effort in our city really made her a standout. Uh, and and it's, it's awesome for her career. It doesn't get her any more money, but she's more well-respected. People, you know, we get invited to a lot of different things. But, the, you know, when I go back to looking at Bikes for Kids Charity and real estate, which is, I think, a lot of the target, and hopefully that's who's listening to this, as a real estate agent, uh, we always need content, uh, something to share with um, new prospects, past clients, friends and family. And the, the ask, the follow-up, the, uh, incremental benchmarks that we hit, all those pieces of content, basically that information about bikes for kids charity gave me an opportunity to connect with, with, you know, my family that, you know, I didn't want to call and say, Hey, I'm a real estate agent. Um, you know, who, who's, who do you know that might be buying or selling? I didn't, I hated that even if it's my friends and family. And I know that we're always told that. So, but I could call you up and say, Hey, you know what? I appreciate that you you know donated that ten dollars, and this is what happened. Here's a letter that I got from this kid, and that's how you that's how it affected you, and you know you know this all. I use this with my real estate business. It gives me a reason to contact all these people. I added to my database last year. I added 182 people wow. that I contact on a regular basis. That you know, and half of them. I didn't know. The other half were in my sphere, but I didn't want to call them, you know, because I had n- I had no reason other than to ask for business. You know, uh, if I, you know, the people that I kind of, my tighter circle that I spend time with on a regular basis, see on the weekends, you know, hang out at the bar, like I was always talking to them, so they knew what I was doing. And then Facebook updates, things like that, they knew. But this content, this effort, just, it gives me uh, a way to reach out to a whole bunch of people that's not necessarily selling them anything or uh, necessarily asking for anything all the time. And, and that's hugely powerful. The other thing that it does that I believe is it puts a, an idea in each of their minds of who I am. You know, Am I just a, a real estate agent looking for my next commission? No. I'm a guy that has decided to help a bunch of little kids – get their first bike potentially and spending and and everyone just like just like you probably realize and you know I, as I mentioned I have to schedule this into my prospecting time so and any person realizes that that's a hard effort if they've done it's, any type of charity themselves you know so it really it really paints me as a different type of person you know much nicer than I really am <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I do have to say that it is very powerful. And so if somebody wanted to set something up like this, I, I, I know I think you mentioned you're putting together a kind of a document or a checklist that would help somebody do that, correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I can I can get that for you soon. But I think I think the simplest thing is figure out what you're passionate about first. And and you might hear it in my voice. I mean, I can talk about this all day long. I love it, you know. It, it's it's exciting for me. And then having the experience of being able to deliver those bikes you know if if i had just helped in someone else's bikes for kids charity i wouldn't have got to be part of that yeah you know so that was the power you know that was definitely the power of of owning that this charity and and i do want to say that you know besides my wife's giving heart and and the idea of me not wanting to pick up trash one of the key One of the key people that uh, influenced me to do this and actually helped me sort of map it out. I couldn't have put this together without uh, the help of Ryan Fletcher. I don't know if you know him or not.
1: You know, Uh, I I don't know him personally. He's on my list of people to get on my podcast. So maybe you you can uh, hook me up there with him. But I did get his book. Okay. Um I'm trying what do you know the name of that book right now? I can't agent.
2: Defeat Mega Agents.
1: Defeat Mega Agents, yeah. yes. And I have that book sitting on my shelf getting ready to read.
2: Yeah. I worked with him uh through two thousand fifteen and you know, part of his 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 program is really not it, it's it's real estate targeted, but it's not a real estate coaching or training business. It's a it's a business about relationships and building them. And Philanthropy is a big piece of what he teaches, and you know he inspired me to think of something. We created the bikes piece and the the whole birthday and all that. I actually was listening to a, a podcast. Um, you might have, you might know it, um, Social Triggers. Oh yeah. So I listened to that a lot. I was actually in a I was actually in, at a live event with uh, up at up in uh, Seattle with Ryan, and I would get up in the morning and go for a run. And I listen to my podcast and um, I want to, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but there was a guy that he was interviewing um, in the, in the program that he has developed, I believe it's called uh, Pencils for Prof- for Promise.
1: Oh, I have heard about that. I can't remember who that is. We'll have to look him up so we can tag him in the, yeah. in this and, post. And I That's a great charity as well.
2: Yeah. So I literally copied his whole thing and, and it's super cool I'll give you. I'll probably mess it up, but basically, what happens is on this. You know, he's asking about the his charity at this point. That's why they're on the podcast. And and to date, I think right now they through his charity efforts, they've opened over three hundred uh, schools in in third world countries. I mean, and every it seems like at this point, every like well known uh, social media marketer. Has taken on a piece of that, and 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 kind of you know has taken on building the the fundraising for one of these different schools through his program. But what he did, he was actually he was a I think he was a like in the financial world, in, in very young in his 20s, made some good money, decided he didn't like it, took some time off, and he started backpacking throughout the the world, just tra- traveling. And I think he was in he was somewhere in the Midwest or the Middle East, and. Walking through town, and he sees this this small boy um, begging for money. and he and I he says, like he went up and he asked him, he says, "You know, if I could give you anything in the world, what would it be? And he said, the kid asked for a pencil.
1: Oh, wow.
2: You know, of all the things, like not five dollars right now, I want a pencil. And so he took that and and after he's continued traveling and he started bringing little pencils and pens and trinkets like that, that, and giving him out on his on his thing but as he went back you know he he went back home and he realized you know he wanted to do something more and I think he said he had like 25 or fifty dollars to his name at that point and he's having a birthday so he says the same thing he goes look come to my birthday party and bring some money for my charity and you know that's how that's how building over 300 schools,
1: Started.
2: I mean, it's just Isn't insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know, one guy with an idea and he implemented it and he just didn't give up, you know?
1: So you I know, just I copied that, it. I think that it's it's absolutely something to talk about and think about and what can we do as an industry to give back. And I think that sometimes people get caught up in it being so overwhelming and it can literally start with buying a pencil. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know it, it it it's really cool. I mean, I like having it. I can talk about it. People ask me about. it. I go, "What is that?" You know, I put it on my. Uh, actually, just this past week at an open house, I have I have it on my flyer for my house that says I'm part of this. You know, and and I think you know I, I mentioned this earlier, but like there's a whole bunch of programs that that you can buy into as a real estate agent, and you don't have to buy into them. Do it yourself. You know, don't spend. Don't spend $100 a month to be part of a program that's going to tell people that they're going to get money back if they do business with you.
0: That's exactly.
2: not that's that's a to me it's kind of a bullshit, you know, program. Like yeah. you're, you know, that'd be like if me saying, you know, what I'm going to give this bike this bike to this poor kid if you buy a house with me. And I yeah. it that's not charity. That's no. that's using that's the you know, kid. Yeah, yeah. You know. And and sure, and everyone wants to save money, and that's why we always, you know, I, coming out of the sports industry was horrible, you know. You're always matching prices here and there, you know. So people want to save money. There's no question about that. And, and all those systems and programs, I think they do help in a way, but I, I really think owning it yourself and being passionate about the actual goal can really help you double or triple the amount of money that you raise.
1: Well, you know what? Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention, Andrew. I know we've talked for a while about doing a podcast, and and you were you were hesitant to do one because you didn't want to talk about you. And <laughs> so I admire you a ton for bringing this to light. It makes me want to do more, and I hope that that's what our listeners hear today. And for any of you guys who are listening, I would love to hear uh, you know in our comments over at Real Real com what you're doing to give back and how you're giving back. So thank you a ton for being here, Andrew, and talking to us about this and the importance uh, of putting in some time and energy to give back.
2: Absolutely. And um, if anybody listening or hears this later and and has an interest in doing something, feels they need help, please just reach out to me, Andrew, at ListerBlog.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions and help you raise money.
1: Thank you so much. And again, we'll have his contact information and he's going to put together a little cheat sheet for us on how to put something like this together. And we'll make that available in the show notes and over at real estaterealworld.com. So Thank you again and for those of you who are joining us today on Real Estate Real World where we get to talk with masters in the real estate industry and leadership like people like Andrew on how we can raise the bar in our industry, please subscribe over on iTunes and while you're there, be sure to give us a great review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. Want to keep up with the latest stuff, pop on over to com and add your name to our email address, our email list. So thank you everybody for listening and go out there and help us raise the bar.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.